Oat Studios will always have a soft spot for me, as I went down a YouTube hole and found Raka by chance. Its design, its plot devices, its unique concept of the dystopian world. It got me hooked. Unlike many, I enjoyed the fact that it didn't really have an ending. Neil Bloomkamp, the director of Chappie, Elysium and District 9, has done some outstanding work. And so, because of this, and because it was suggested within the comments, I am back with this series. And so, we continue the Oat Studios exploration. This is two takes, and this is one shot. An analysis of the three episodes of Adam, Unity, The Mirror, and The Prophet. From an experiment of a new rendering engine, Adam is the showcase of Oat Studios' workings out, which I must admit, has a flawless design, and because of its popularity of the cliffhanger of their first episode, Unity, they made two more. And although I give praise for this rendering engine, this isn't the reason you are listening to me talk about it. We're here to figure out, to analyse, the story and the world of Adam. And from Neil Bloomcomb himself, he explains the concept behind the making of Adam. I was interested in directing several pieces on this story setup in the first Adam episode. The thematic backbone of it is a discussion on where your soul is. And so, let's begin with the organisation that seems to take it all. The Consortium. The Consortium a generalised word for an association of two or more individuals, companies, organisations or governments that participate in an activity whilst pooling their resources for achieving a common goal, are mentioned as this elite untouchable force behind high walls. Their technology, to the medicine, to even the air they breathe, has them being in control of many things, it seems. The system to which we realise has people who have been expelled by the consortium, those who have convicted felony crimes, have their bodies and organs harvested, whilst their tainted brains are cast out into cheap robotic shells. They are then sent out into the wilderness, and the rest is somewhat unknown. There have been questions as to why this might be happening, their reason for this sort of barbarism, and the only thing I can think of is this. The theory evolves around the concept that the consortium is somewhat religious, and takes into account that the act of killing felons is like murder, which is never the answer if one wants to be saved, and so the changing of organic matter to robotic is introduced. The felons' bodies and organs are harvested for others that are in the need for transplants and the like. The brain is placed in a cheap robotic shell, making the person still be somewhat alive. The brain is called tainted, and the first thought was because of their crimes. The consortium want nothing to do with this, but Thinking about this some more, how ancient anatomists and philosophers thought the soul to be located in the lungs, the heart, and generally the brain. The lungs, like Adam's first breath, the heart, much like Marion's choice, and the brain, the consciousness that was left behind in a robot shell to wander. And this unwilling separation was done for the greater good, it seems, wiping the consortium's hands of any sin. But what they don't realise is the sin of what the consortium has done to these people, now trapped in robot bodies, does have consequences. Just because they aren't dead doesn't mean this, and what I'm about to explain, isn't a form of torture for the aspect of the soul. 
Many people within the Reddit community have brought up the fact that in episode 1, when Adam is released from the wires, he takes his first breath. Our robots are not supposed to do that. So why do the robots do this in the world of Adam? If there was an operation that separated the brain from the body, then the medulla oblongata, the area of the brain that controls unconscious activities such as heart rate and breathing rate, was not affected in the process. Hence, Adam still thinks he's human, and the breathing is an unconscious reaction. And his awakening after his first conscious breath can be interpreted as the first breath to be a revival of the departure of the soul. Many thoughts on the modern concept of the soul, especially from the views of neuroscientists, have explored its concept to be placed within the consciousness of the brain. Leaning into religious concepts, the body is simply a vessel that holds on to ourselves, our soul in a sense. So why not the brain? But switching the vessel, doing the procedure of separation from an organic body to a robotic one, still has problems. A quote from Steven Pinker explores further. When a surgeon sends an electrical current into the brain, the person can have a vivid lifelike experience. When chemicals seep into the brain, they can alter the person's perception, mood, personality and reasoning. When a patch of brain tissue dies, a part of the mind can disappear. A neurological patient may lose the ability to name tools, recognise faces, anticipate the outcome of his behaviour, emphasise with others, or keep in mind a region of space, or of his own body. And so, when Adam is observing his body, his reaction is a negative one, because his brain cannot process this foreign body. Think about that, and I think about the second episode, with the female robot that was malfunctioning and had to be shut down. We could hear her struggling, breathing irrationally, with her side being severed like a bag TV. The brain is intact, but there aren't any nerves connected to pain receptors, so she's shutting down, and all she can do is continue walking and try not to panic. The consortium had severed the warning signs of what the brain can help towards the body being in danger, and in this way, this was why we see hundreds of robots at the beginning in the first episode, and only a dozen in the second. They all shut down the same way. Now try to imagine that. It might be like being in a video game without any concept except to continue walking forward. There is no pain, but there is no control either. And suddenly you are no more because there wasn't any warning. You can sort you must have forgotten or even stop caring about the lack of things a robot body can have and do with a human brain, it seems. This can also be talked about within the third episode with Marion and her brother Jacob. We do not think about the procedure of organic to robotic until we realise Jacob can talk and recognises his sister in his last moments. The felons are not mindless, they can remember, but for the procedure, a successful one that separates the brain intact is a delicate one. So many things could go wrong, and one such example is with the hippocampus. The hippocampus is a complex brain structure deeply embedded into the temporal lobe. It's a plastic-like but vulnerable structure that has a major role in learning and memory. and can be damaged by a variety of stimuli, and its removal or damage can involve the person struggling with only selected memories to guide them forward. As well, blunt force trauma to the head, which makes the brain become disorientated amongst other things, as Jacob, Marion's brother, remember his sister at the last moment. It is also curious about the severed and crackly way Jacob was trying to tell Marion to stop, almost like he was trying to use a part of the brain that hadn't been used yet. The command of speech was there, 
but like a buffering system, it took a while to have Jacob say the words. In episode 2, there is the human-android hybrid named the Mirror that brings about other questions which I found to be struggling with. Her non-existent eyes, for instance, are instead replaced by a rippling effect that I can only explain was an exploration in the editing process. But a function? To show Adam that what he had done when he was human. But does this really make a difference? It seems the importance lies in what you did wrong, why you were cast out as a felon, in order to begin the process of figuring out the rest of it. Perhaps the reason for beginning with these crimes is to perhaps inflict some passionate feeling that might recollect some memories, as sometimes, under stress, they can flourish. This walk to the sanctuary to meet the mirror at the beginning of the episode is like a journey into another form of existing. Much like the journey to the Greek underworld, Hades, with its darkness enveloping everything in the cloaked figure, much like Hermes the Psychopomp, a guide for the souls of the deceased to the afterlife, herding them forward. And Hermes to be called upon by the dying to assist in their passing, making it as painless as possible, much like with the female robot and how the cloaked figure shut her down before she broke. His actions are with no judgement, as we see the cloaked figure unlocking all robots before they wandered endlessly until their brains suffocated, like in some sort of purgatory in the first episode. So in truth, does your actions determine your soul's worth? So there are forms of torture that the consortium has not thought about. It could be interpreted that the consciousness of the brain holds the person, not the organic body, hence the harvesting of the body and its organs on felons within the consortium. It's interesting because the more I research it, the more the three episodes weren't really anything to do with a revolution, rather from the humans or from the robots. And I can gather that, based on Neil Bloomkamp's other films, like Chappie and Elysium, Taking a stand seems like a logical next step, but not here. In episode 3, this could have been the backbone for this type of thinking, of the human survivors banding together to take down the consortium or the robots left behind, but there isn't any of that. It's more of a peaceful concept until further down the line. There was talk about riot for purity, but what makes me question it all, however, is the behaviour of the Prophet. There is talk of a brotherhood, a network of helpers, who have renounced the ways of men. Now, this is confusing in itself, as the ways of man are many. Taking it within a biblical sense, I can only humbly guess it means the renouncing of deceitful ways, which we know at the end of the episode is a pack of lies. The reason might be the concept of lying for a good cause, much like the consortium harvesting bodies to save people. Prophet revealed to be a robot at the end can hold some weight if we follow this concept of lying for the greater good. In essence, it might be essentially to stop a riot from the human survivors by a promise of something in the future, using the renouncing of men as a stage for a peaceful existence away from any thoughts of rising up. The Prophet robot might be from the consortium itself, handling the human survivors outside of their walls by making them go without technology and without it, they are no longer a threat. However, it might have a deeper meaning than that. We see the Prophet robot separate his arms to reveal he has four, whilst he revels in the technology before him, almost like in some sort of prayer. 
A being with four arms that come to mind is the Hindu god Vishnu, and perhaps even Shiva. I bring this up because the Hindu triumvirate consists of three gods who are responsible for the creation, upkeep, and destruction of the world. Brahma is the creator of the universe, Shiva is the destroyer, whilst Vishnu is the preserver and protector. The prophet's conversation with Marian, probably more on the lines of a monologue, hint at these conflictions of preservation and perhaps destruction also, whether that's for the consortium and what they represent, or by the human's lack of resources via technology that pose them as unthreatening. There is a plan in place that only the prophet knows about, where this faceless brotherhood guards. It's a mysterious yet intriguing concept. There seem to be many greater good scenarios that involves lying to protect something, and that might be the case here. Or maybe not. It's hard to decipher the end cause, but the main idea is undivided devotion to something else. Giving away mind and heart to a cause that can save you in the short term. And perhaps like initiation, the act of marriage stripping away the consortium's hold and the image of her brother also strips her away from her own family, from anything holding her away from the Prophet. The act of wanting Marion to kill her brother, trapped in a robot shell, is explaining the choice of a man enslaved to a machine to be harder and far worse than letting him live and suffer. Describing the robots as devils, explaining the sins of the consortium, of how they have harvested his body, renouncing the ways of the consortium means letting her brother go. And it is here, after everything I have said before, we realise that Marion is killing him. By attacking the brain, a person goes with it. Mary needed the time to look past this image of a robot to realise her brother was still there, and in essence, if the consciousness of the person is still intact, why should it matter where it is? Robotic or organic? And how can we know for sure? There is a sense of loss here. Marion grieves her brother's human death and does not see that his consciousness is still there. There is this want from both Marion and the Prophet, I feel, of wanting to be saved, whether through purity, of renouncing or believing in something else, of shedding one's skin, coming out and standing up tall. For both, in whatever body or vessel they hold, the mind wants what the mind wants, and through some form of desperation, through misplaced faith, it is here that they collide. Like Neil Bloomkamp says, it's about where your soul is. From an organisation that judges your actions to be cast out from the safety of its high walls like Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, to then be merging the aspects of the underworld with cloaked figures from your dreams coming to take you away like death and the scythe. And then a hybrid creature that sees what you have done to be placed on the altar to be judged, weighing your worth based on past actions with your memories wiped. And then to have those seeking salvation, having to have the will to do anything in order for their soul to be saved from the viciousness of the world of Adam. It seems the discussion of one's soul is a massive concept with no answers, hanging your attention off the cliff with these episodes that leave you wanting more. But that's the point. The question of the soul is not so easily answered. There is the concept that the soul might be in our minds, our hearts, or even our actions, whilst leaving the body as some sort of vessel for this mortal world. It is said by some that when we die, our spirit or soul and body separate. Even though the body dies, the soul lives on. It is our essence, and perhaps in Adam, that is what we are slowly seeing. 
whether that's unwillingly separated for the greater good, the journey to the next life has its trials and tribulations. There is judgment. There will be a need to save yourself against others. So what would be your price? What would you do to save your soul? What are your thoughts on what was discussed in this episode? Comment and let me know to open up a conversation. Like and subscribe for more content of this nature, and come talk to me on Twitter or Instagram. Better yet, support the show on my Patreon to help a creator such as myself with learning on the go. Each like, each comment, each subscriber fuels the motivation I need to make better and better content for yours truly. Come say hi, and thanks for watching.